Lord God, as we come before you, we just thank you so much for being a great God, for being a powerful God, a God that loves and cares, a God that comforts and encourages, a God that is just there for us every time we go to him. Lord, we just thank you for the relationship that we can have with you through Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we, uh, every day we're encountered with circumstances that we would not choose, we wouldn't pick them, but you allow them. And Lord, some of them we see the purpose, sometimes we don't. But Lord, we know that you have a reason. You are a great God, you make no mistakes. And so Lord, we just come before you right now and we ask for your presence, we ask for your, Lord, uh, your touch, your grace, your mercy especially with Miss Gloria and her family, Lord, and the loss of another loved one, Lord. We pray for Chelsea, Lord, and her family there. And Lord, we just pray that you would just be there for them, strengthen them, encourage them. And Lord, as only you can do, put your loving arms about them. And so, Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and that your will be accomplished. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, last week we began to look at the book of 1 John, and we learned that John was really speaking to the third generation of believers. And we talked about how the first generation really lived by conviction. They were willing to die for what they believed in. And the second generation went to more from conviction to beliefs, and the third generation went from beliefs to opinions. And uh, they needed a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ. And then at the same time, while he was preaching to the third generation of believers, he's also combating many false doctrines and false theologies of his day. And so, anyway, he was standing up for the truth, and as we know, as we stand up for truth, it's not always the most popular thing uh, that takes place in our culture, in our society. Um, we really live in a society and a culture today in which, you know, there, for many people, there is no moral absolute, there's no biblical objective of truth. And we know, of course, as a child of God, as Christians, as followers of Christ, that the Bible is our objective truth. And if it doesn't line up with Scripture, then we know that it's not true. And so that's our objective of truth, and it's our standard by which we compare everything to. But consider this. One of the very first things that God did in creation was command light to shine out of darkness. Isn't that amazing? One of the very first things that God did was to command light to stand out from darkness. And we know that light is important And so darkness cannot overcome the light. And you've heard me use this illustration before, but I'll never forget it. As long as I'm alive, you know, I I remember going on our honeymoon and being in a cave down below the earth and it being pitch black when they shut the lights off and one person brings out a light. And it doesn't matter how great, how vast, how immense the darkness is. It cannot snuff out light. Light is just that. It's light. It's bright. It emanates. And so it has a very distinct power about it. So as John begins to write this epistle, he makes one point very clear, and it's this. This message is what I've heard, and I'm declaring it to you. And you say, well, who's the you? It's the listener. It's the reader. It's the person who's hearing it. And so uh, why so they might have fellowship? And he says that back in verse 3, it says, Um, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we know over and over, if we were to take some time to go back to to the Gospels, we realize that Jesus Christ came to what? Save sinners. He came that you might, you and I might have fellowship with Himself. And so that's one of the main purposes behind the Word of God is that we might know Jesus. 
and we might be able to have a relationship with Him and learn how to please Him and live for Him. So it says, this is the message. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. Often scripture, uh, in Scripture, the Bible uses the word light to represent another word, and that other word is what? Holy. Light also symbolizes what it means to be holy. And darkness oftentimes represents or reflects that which is dark or sinful. So he said, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So notice what God's word says regarding the angels that were crying aloud. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3 says this, And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The angels were sitting around day and night proclaiming the holiness of of God. In other words, the light that was shining out from God. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 8 is one of my favorite verses. It says, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Can you imagine? Just kind of put your thinking caps on just for a moment and just kind of get a glimpse of what they're saying here. Day and night non-stop proclaiming the holiness of God. And then put that right back into what he said in 1 John chapter 1. God is holy, and in him there is no what? Darkness at all. He is a holy God, a perfect God, a righteous God, a God of light. Unless we think well, that's just the characteristic of who God is, what's he saying in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16? But as he who had called you is holy, you also be what? Holy. And then it doesn't stop right there. He says, in all manner of living. Because it is written, holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. Is God saying being perfect? No, because that's not possible. But should we not strive for that? Should we not seek to be holy and, and to the best of our ability to live for him? I believe it's what God has asked us to do. So Jesus not only modeled holiness for us, He's called us to holiness. What does our life reveal? What does it really reveal? If God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all, and then following the progression of logic, He says, Be holy, for I am holy. The expectation is that we're going to strive for that in our daily living. And as a result of that, we have to ask ourselves this question. Am I filled with light? Am I reflecting the light? Am I being holy in all manner of living? For too many, I believe John 3.19 is true. It says, and this is a condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. I wonder how often that might be not necessarily our goal, not necessarily what we're proud of, but once again, reality. Because we love the things of the world, even the things that are not of God. We're going to get into it later, but First John two fifteen through 17, for all that is in this world, he doesn't just say most of the world, he doesn't just say much of the world, he says for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is what? Is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17, it's all going to pass away. But I wonder how often our deeds are evil because we love the darkness. We love the things that, isn't there like an attraction sometimes? You, you know you shouldn't want it, but you just, you do. 
you've heard me say it many times, but if one burger is good, three is better. Right? If one dollar is good, three is better. I mean, come on, more is better. But oftentimes what we want is not necessarily what's best for us or even beneficial to us. And it says he came into the world, and the world did not receive him because their deeds were evil. They loved the darkness more than they loved the light. And I wonder how how often that may be the case in our own lives. You see, what does light reveal? Light reveals much. Take your Bibles just for a moment before we really get into 1 John chapter 1. Uh, Turn it back to Ephesians chapter 5. And this really is a picture of what we used to be like before Christ. So, in beginning of verse 8, it says, For you were once darkness, representing darkness, representing our sinfulness. So you were once in sinfulness, but now you are light in the world, or light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. But look at the beginning of verse 8 there. It says, for you are once darkness. What's that mean? It means there's been a change. If we claim to know Jesus Christ, there's a change that takes place, right? And so what used to be our reputation as a child of darkness should no, should no longer be who we are in Christ Jesus. So it says, there were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So if God commands us to walk as children of light, what does that mean for us? It means that there are decisions to make each and every day as to how we're going to live. We're either going to live according to the darkness of the world or the light of Jesus Christ. What is it that people see in our lives? You know, kind of funny when you put a sticker on your vehicle it kind of changes things so you get this sticker that says pray I, on my last truck i had a sticker that said pray in the front on the back left window what does that imply somebody whoever's driving the truck is maybe a christian telling everybody to pray then you got to watch how you're gonna drive and live right <laughs> So now i got this other sticker on my new truck. He is greater than I. Everyone's looking at the he is greater than I. Oh, he is greater than the guy driving it. i got to once again watch how I drive because somebody's watching. Doggone it all. Because there's some people I just can't stand the way they drive. And I want to get around them. I want to speed up and then slow down like they did to me. I want to jack on the brakes just let them know he's driving too close. All my fleshly selfishness coming out, right? I love what he says here. The bottom line is, what does our life say in this world that we're living in? Does it say that we're living in light or are we living in darkness according to the world and all that is in it? What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? In other words, the two shouldn't be mingling. There's the part of us that was in our past that represents the darkness. But when Christ comes in, and as the light of the world, we're now to reflect the image of Christ and walk in light. 
He says, what fellowship has light with darkness? They don't have fellowship. Because the fellowship is through Jesus Christ, right? According to 1 John 1. So practically, what does light do for us? What does light do for mankind? I was thinking about this. It does at least three things. Number one, visibility amidst darkness. Does anyone enjoy stubbing your toes in the dark? Oh, see, light is a good thing, right? And if you've ever, I, I tell you, last year I was in a hurry. I ran down, you know, I could have just taken two seconds and reached over there and flicked the light onto my stairwell going downstairs, but I didn't. I just was in a hurry. I slammed the door open. I ran down the stairs, and I missed the bottom step. And next thing you know, I was on the ground breathing in pain. And for the next six weeks, I had a big bubble on the side of my hip that eventually had to go and get drained and everything else. Why? Because I was running in darkness. Oh, that thing hurt. Could have saved the pain. Could have saved the trip to the doctor. Could have done everything if I had just turned the light on and taken a second. Light gives us visibility amidst darkness. Number two, safety. Anybody enjoy falling down the stairs? No. Don't enjoy walking into things. Or comfort amidst fear. Anybody ever been afraid of the dark? Come on, admit it. There you go. If you've ever been afraid of the dark, yes, I was one of those afraid of the dark. Until one day I realized I'm pretty big. I'm bigger than most people that could do anything to me. Why am I afraid of the dark? It's like for the longest time I was afraid of the dark. Until about ninth grade. I didn't like going in the woods by myself. didn't like being where it was pitch black. But it's amazing when it's pitch black and there's total darkness amazing how much confidence just a little flashlight will give you. Isn't that amazing? You can get the boogeyman. Light him up. No. Isn't it amazing what light does? Gives us confidence and comfort amidst the fear of darkness. Then I think there's one more important thing that light does. Light causes growth. Can you imagine trying to grow a crop, a whole 30 acres of corn if there was never sunshine? There's never light. Can you imagine trying to grow something in a garden without light? It needs light to grow. And all those areas can be applied spiritually as well. We need the light to grow. We need the light for safety. We need the light to know how to go forward. In all these areas, we need the light of Jesus Christ. And notice what these verses remind us of. In John chapter 8, verse 12, says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We want the light. We have to follow Jesus. He says, I'm the light, and he who follows me will not walk in darkness. In John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Why? Because no amount of darkness, no matter how vast it is, no matter how immense it is. One little light can overcome all the darkness. Well, let's look at our text there in First John chapter 1. I want to read verses 5 through 7 here. It says this. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us 
from all sin. What do we see concerning the character and nature of God? God is light. Light represents holiness. So God is holy. There is no darkness in Him at all. In contrast to the character and nature of God, what is the character and nature of mankind? Romans 3.23 lets us know very clearly, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were born in sin. We are filled with darkness at birth. And in Romans 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it says, All are under sin, and there is none righteous, not even one. There's not a single person born into this world who is born without sin. I remember going to a pastor's fellowship one time, and the pastor said, My kids are not sinners. He, he literally said this, coming from the mouth of a pastor. And he said, My kids are not sinners. And I kind of looked at him, I said, Well, are your kids angels? He goes, No, they're just not sinners. And I looked at him, I said, I don't know about you. And I looked at the other guy, I said, my kids are sinners. I'm a sinner, but I know my kids are sinners. He goes, no, they're not sinners because they haven't really realized that they're, what they're doing yet. And I said, so you're telling me that until a person realizes or thinks that they've done wrong? He goes, well, exactly. He goes, if they don't think they're doing wrong, well, how do they know that they're breaking any rule? And I'm like, just, just look at the book. Just, just, just look. <laughs> it's, right, it, it's right here. And uh, so I don't know if I made any headway with that one, but the idea is that we're all born in sin. We're all sinners. And God's Word says there is none righteous, no, not one. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through us, and thus spread to all men, because all sinned. We are sinners. That's our character. That's our nature. You say, well, I'm a good person. I, I, I really try to help everybody. I'm kind to those. I never raise my voice to anybody. I don't steal from them. I don't cheat from them. I, I, I'm a good person. Isaiah 64, 6 clarifies that process of thinking. It says, but we are all like an unclean thing, and all of our righteousnesses, all of our righteousnesses, any good thing that we can do, are like filthy rags. And God says, you're not as good as you think you are. And then he reminds us again in, in, the, in his word, it says, uh, our heart is deceitfully wicked above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We're not as good as we think we are. And that's why he says we need the light of Jesus Christ to shine upon us. And that's why we need to choose to walk in the light. So verse 5, he says, there is no darkness in him at all. He's perfect. That's why he alone could be the perfect sacrifice. That's why he alone could be the one who would go to the cross. So how do we span the gap between God's holiness, and in other words, his light, and our sinfulness, our darkness? Well, we see that in verse 6. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. How do we span the gap? John says that our walk should match our talk when it comes to our testimony and daily living. If we're going to claim one thing, our life has to match up with it. If we're going to proclaim to know Jesus, then how does our life reflect that? In our actions, in our reactions, in our conversations, in what we do from day to day? Does our life reflect what we say is in our heart? it must if we're going to proclaim the testimony of Jesus Christ. If our walk doesn't match our talk, what does that say to those around us? Well, God's Word answers that question. Very clearly it says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So it really says two things. Number one, it says we're liars. Anybody like to be called a liar? Doesn't that just grate at you? Well, you lied. Doesn't that sound so harsh? Anybody else think that sounds harsh? Man, that just 
who do you think you are calling me a liar? Well, if we claim to know Jesus Christ and our life does not reflect it, he says we are liars and the truth is not in us. Number two, we're not practicing the truth. We're not walking in obedience. So it says two things. We're liars and we're not practicing the truth. We're not living in obedience. And according to Romans chapter 8, that is a choice that we must make every day. Either walk in the flesh or to walk in the spirit. No one can put a gun to our head and make us do either one and affect our heart. It's a choice. Then as we come into verse 7, how can we have a genuine or real fellowship with one another and with Jesus? Remember back in verse 3? It says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, I think there's a couple things we need to do. We need to walk in the light as He is in the light. In other words, walk in obedience. Obedience, it's a choice. You're either going to walk in obedience or not. So verse 7 is very clear here. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship. So if we want fellowship with Jesus Christ, if we want true biblical fellowship, you have to walk in the light. You have to walk in obedience. You have to walk in holiness. And not only that, secondly, be cleansed from the darkness or our sinfulness by the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. He says that as well. Verse 7. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ's Son cleanses us from all sin. So we get, the, we get as we walk in obedience and we're confronted with things that may not be right in our lives, we deal with it. We confess it. We put it under the blood, so to speak. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 makes that very clear. It says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. In other words, apart from Jesus Christ's blood being shed, we don't have forgiveness. So the reality is that we need the blood of Jesus Christ to walk in fellowship with him. For just a moment, look back at verses 5 and 6. So this message is what you have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. I wonder how often we think of ourselves. I'm in good fellowship with Jesus Christ. I'm in good fellowship. In fact, I'm in good fellowship with other believers around me, too. In reality, many believers have deceived themselves. So what darkness, what sinfulness might we not be dealing with? What is hindering our fellowship? What is hindering our relationship with Jesus Christ? Because we have chosen to have this area of darkness or this area of sinfulness in our life and not deal with it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about that. I want to just live life and kind of, you know, hopefully everything just goes smooth and not deal with problems. But the reality is we can't. If we want fellowship, we want to live in the light, that we have to deal with the areas of darkness, areas of sinfulness, lest we deceive ourselves and not walk in obedience. And how can we best have true fellowship with Jesus? By walking in the light every day. Every day. It's a choice. The question I wondered as I was thinking about this this week, too, was I wonder how much light is enough. How much light is enough light? Has anybody ever tried to read a book and it's been kind of dim light around you? Is it enough? Does it drive you nuts sometimes? I mean, maybe you're in your bedroom and you're trying to read, but your spouse is kind of like trying to go to sleep, but you really want the light on. You want all the light, right? Not just this little one. Because then we strain, and it's like, what does that say? And then we bring it in, bring it out, bring it over there, whatever. 
We want light. How much light is enough light? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, in verse 16, it says this. Who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power, amen? Can you imagine being in the presence of Jesus? So there is so bright. There is so much light that it's unapproachable. Who alone dwells in unapproachable light? God. What should be our desire? What should be our, our effort to live in that light? Are we perfect? No. But should it be what we strive for? Yes. I wonder how often we just are satisfied with just a little bit of light. And I think the way I kind of looked at this this week was, I know God is light. I know that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Well, I've got some of that light. People think I'm pretty good. For the most part, trying to live a holy life. But here's a God who's got unapproachable light. So bright. Am I accept? Am I willing to accept a little bit, or do I want what He has to offer? Not in terms of salvation, but in terms of our obedience, our holiness, our righteousness. How much is enough? I think the desire ought to be that we want to be as holy as He is, right? We want to walk in fellowship with Him, and if we don't, if we say that we're in Him but we don't live it, then we're liars. And that causes us to look internally and say, what is the area, what are the areas of darkness that I need to deal with in my own life? What are the areas of disobedience I need to deal with in my life so that I can truly reflect the light? I don't know about you, but that's a challenging question from day to day because my thinking selfish flesh is so strong. It's irritating sometimes to me that I can't get this part right or can't do that the way I want to do it. Selfish. But it's the challenge to walk in the light as He is in the light. How about you this week? Let's work on it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. And Lord, we realize that our desire is to walk in the light as you are in the light. Lord, we also realize that our, our flesh is weak and we are sinful. And I ask, God, that you would just work in our hearts to draw us closer to you in these areas, Lord, that we might truly reflect the light of Jesus Christ in all that we say and do. So, Lord, I I pray that if there is some sinfulness, some areas of darkness in our life, Lord, lest we be a liar, lest we deceive ourselves, I ask, God, that you would reveal it to us, Lord. The psalmist prays, Lord, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me to the way of everlasting. So, Lord, I pray that you would just for a moment this morning help us in our desires, Lord, to be that of holiness and righteousness and obedience that we may reflect the light of Jesus Christ. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just for a moment, in just a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity to partake of the Lord's table. In that passage, he tells us to examine ourselves, to judge ourselves, to realize it just for a moment that 
This is the very reason Christ went to the cross to shed his blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So if there's an area of darkness, an area of sinfulness, an area of disobedience in our lives, we should want to deal with that. You say, Pastor, this morning God's challenged my heart. There's some things I need to deal with. I haven't been reflecting the light very much. And I realize that Christ is bright. He's light. He's holy. And there's some areas in my life that are not. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that this morning? back, side to side. Can I just challenge those of you who raised your hand just for a moment to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. That's the beautiful thing of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we can truly reflect the light of Jesus Christ by walking in obedience, by walking in the light. So just take a moment and say, Lord, forgive me. Help me to reflect your son, Jesus Christ. Help me to be holy as he is holy, as his word exhorts us to be. Lord Jesus, you know our hearts. And you know the very thing that distracts us. And I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts and Lord, help us to be honest and obedient to remove those areas of darkness, those areas of sinfulness, so that we can truly reflect the light. Lord, be with each one to raise their hand, their heart towards you this morning. Lord, that we would be faithful and obedient in all these areas. Lord, help us be emptied of self. May we say with John, John 3.31, He must increase, but I must decrease. Lord, may we be faithful and being a reflection of you. And pray these things in Jesus' name.